0: good morning on Good Friday, because what happened on Good Friday, of course, right behind me here, wasn't a great event. But it was a great event. But it was a horrible event, and yet it was a wonderful event, and we're going to talk about that today. So we're really glad today to have the kids with us. This is a family service. It's going to be simple. We're just going to walk through the story together. We're going to talk about what happened, basically, and just let the gospel writers, the people that were there in the first century, saw it happen, You know, uh, asked witnesses for, for their accounts. They compiled it together in these books we call the Gospels. They were going to let them tell the story. And so we're going to read through that. We're going to do some singing, and we're just going to focus today on what happened on Good Friday. But hundreds of years before Jesus even was born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied, and listen to this prophecy, because he was speaking to what would happen to Jesus. In Isaiah 53, who would have believed what we just heard? When the Lord's power, when was the Lord's power revealed through him? He sprouted up like a twig before God, like a root out of parched soil. He had no stately form or majesty that, we might, that might catch our attention, no special appearance that we should want to follow him. He was despised and rejected by people, one who experienced pain and was acquainted with illness. People hid their faces from him. He was despised and we considered him insignificant. But he lifted up our illnesses. He carried our pain, even though we thought he was being punished, attacked by God and afflicted for something he had done. He was wounded because of our rebellious deeds, crushed because of our sins. He endured punishment that made us well. Because of his wounds, we have been healed. All of us have wandered off like sheep. Each of us have strayed off his own path. But the Lord caused the sin of all of us to attack him. He was treated harshly and afflicted, but did not even open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughtering block, like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not even open his mouth. He was led away after an unjust trial, but who even cared? Indeed, he was cut off from the land of the living because of the rebellion of his own people, he was wounded. They intended to bury him with criminals, but he ended up in a rich man's tomb because he had committed no violent deeds, nor had he spoken deceitfully. Though the Lord desired to crush him and make him ill, once restitution is made, he will see his descendants and enjoy long life, and the Lord's purpose will be accomplished through him. Having suffered, he will reflect on his works. He will be satisfied when he understands what he has done. My servant will acquit many, for he carried their sins." so I will assign him a portion with the multitudes. He will divide the spoils of victory with the powerful because he willingly submitted to death and was numbered with the rebels when he lifted up the sin of many and intervened on behalf of the rebels. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, the day that we gather as a church family and begin our Easter weekend, meditating, focusing, remembering, the cross and the death of Jesus Christ our Savior and so we solemnize this day as your people we recognize that a significant event occurred which has eternal ramifications for us we praise and bless your holy name and as we look and listen to this story as we sing about the glorious reality of the cross may your name receive all the glory and honor that it's due and we lift up the name of Jesus he is the head of this church the head of this body the Lord of our lives the Savior of all who will believe in Him. And so we focus our hearts and minds on Him this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing
1: this. Sweet the sound that says
2: Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling into the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, exhausted from grief. So he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd appeared and the man named Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He walked up to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was about to happen, they said, Lord, should we use our swords? Then one of them struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus said, enough of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come out to get him, Have you come out with swords and clubs like you would against an outlaw? Day after day, when I was with you in the temple courts, you did not arrest me. But this is your hour and that of the power of darkness.
1: be our uh, attitude of humility and submission to the Father um, that we can have this attitude to also say that uh, you will be done. <laughs> you done my god and father as in heaven so on earth my heart is drawn to self-exalting help me seek your kingdom first as jesus walked so i walked felt by your same mind Still my soul. Oh, lift your voice and pray. And they're my savior shall see us safely home Now as your church We lift our voice and pray Father not my will but yours be done And in this name we overcome For you shall see us safely home Now as your church We lift our voice and pray Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will.
3: Then they arrested Jesus, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had made a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a slave girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was with him too. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Then a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after about an hour, still another insisted, certainly this man was with him because he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he said to him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus under guard began to mock him and beat him. They blindfolded him and asked him repeatedly, prophesy, who hit you? They also said many other things against him, reviling him. When day came, the council of the elders of the people gathered together, both the chief priests and the experts in the law. Then they led Jesus away to their council and said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, are you the Son of God then? He answered them, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need further testimony? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips.
1: You are my strength when I am Weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in all.
4: Jesus brought before Pilate then the whole group of them rose up and brought Jesus before Pilate they began to accuse him saying we found this man subverting our nation forbidding us to pay the tribute to tax to Caesar and claiming that he himself is Christ a king so Pilate asked Jesus are you the king of the Jews he replied you say so then Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowds I find No basis for an accusation against this man. But they persisted in saying, he incites the people by teaching throughout all Judea. It started in Galilee and ended up here. Now when Pilate heard this, he asked whether that man was a Galilean. When he learned that he was from Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod. Who also happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad. for He had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him before to perform some miraculous signs. So Herod questioned him at the time, at him considerable lengths. Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the experts in the law were there, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, dressing him in elegant clothes, Herod sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Prior to this, they had, never, they had been enemies.
1: Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well.
3: Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. When I examined him before you, I did not find this man guilty of anything you accused him of doing. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, he has done nothing deserving death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. But they all shouted together, take this man away, release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city, and for murder. Pilate addressed them once again because he wanted to release Jesus. But they kept on shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What wrong has he done? I have found him guilty of no crime deserving death. I will therefore flog him and release him. But they were insistent, demanding with loud shouts that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, who had been thrown in prison for insurrection and murder, but he handed Jesus over to their will.
1: My salvation Jesus built. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the sun sets free. Oh, is.
2: As they led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country. They placed the cross on his back and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, among them women who were mourning and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For this is certain. The days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore children and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if such things are done when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other criminals were also led away to be executed with him. So when they came to the place that is called the skull... They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Then they threw dice to divide his clothes. The people also stood there watching, but the rulers ridiculed him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanging there railed at him saying, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we rightly so. Forget We're getting what we deserve for what we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon because the sun's light failed. The temple curtain was torn in two. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And after he said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he praised God and said, certainly this man was innocent.
0: a story, the story of Good Friday would have started probably at around 2, 3 a.m. in the morning as the disciples wake up to torches and Judas and betrayals and arrests. Christ would be placed in 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 the holding cell in Caiaphas' house, which today you can still visit in Jerusalem, and then would begin this long process, which you heard about. A process which ultimately ended in an innocent, perfect man being crucified, being publicly executed. Capital punishment at its ugliest. And who is that? It's Jesus on the cross. And so my question for you today is, who's to blame? Whose fault is this? You know, if, if you live in a house with any number of people, chances are you've played the blame game in your house, right, with your family, with your children, with your dog and cat. I mean, there's always someone to blame, but we've got to ask the question, who's responsible for this awful tragedy, this atrocity for the cross? Who's responsible? Well, of course, I would suggest, first of all, that the Roman Empire is responsible. They are the ones that allowed this horrible thing to happen called crucifixion. They had perfected it as a fine art of deterrence to criminal activity in the empire. They had, you know, crucified slaves, crucified insurrectionists. I mean, it was the Roman way. So yeah, let's blame the Roman empire. It says there in Mark's gospel that the soldiers led him away to crucify him. So it was an imperial act that occurred on the cross. But how do you hold an empire accountable? No, we need to get to the person responsible within the empire. Clearly, Pilate is the one to blame for what happened on Good Friday. Oh, yes. Because he's the one who held the power of life and death in, the, in, in, in that little area of Judah. He was the one responsible to uphold justice in the Pax Romana in Jerusalem at the time. And he is the one ultimately that handed him over to be crucified. Pilate's responsible. Let's blame Pilate. But if you read the story, you'll see from the different accounts that Pilate was doing everything to not commit this act. He even washes his hands. I, I find no wrong with this man. Clearly, it must be the man who brought Jesus to Pilate The high priest, the Jewish authorities, the Sanhedrin, the Jews are responsible and are to be blamed for what happened on Good Friday, the Jews of its day, because they are the ones who conspired after Jesus performed that great miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. It tells us in John 11 that they got together and they sought a plan to assassinate Jesus. Even in Matthew 26, it says they got together and they're, they're planning, they're scheming for a way in which they might remove Jesus from the scene. It's the Jews who are responsible. Peter in Acts 3 says in the sermon that he's preaching to, in, the, in the temple after all this occurred, he says, you crucified Jesus. But, of course, they didn't have the power of capital punishment at their disposal, so we can't hold the Jews fully responsible. perhaps, we should hold the disciples responsible because they're a bunch of cowards. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when they could stand up and, and fight for Jesus, they ran away. In fact, Mark says this young man, they caught a hold of his robe and he's run away in the, in the buff in his birthday suit. You know, they should be blamed because they could have done something and they did nothing. Peter's hiding in the shadows trying to see what's going on and, and he's like, hey, were you with him? No, 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 I wasn't with him. Hey, I think I saw you. I didn't see him. No, you were there. I wasn't there. Bet you he wanted to eat chicken that next day. (laughs) The disciples are to be blamed. It's their fault. But maybe it's, maybe it's more than that. No, it's, it's a little closer to home than that, people. Maybe it's you, me, we that are responsible for this horrific day for the events that occurred on the cross. It's our fault. It's our blame. Because the Bible says that. Do you see that there in Isaiah 53? I read it earlier, but I'll put it up on the screen again. It says he was wounded because of our rebellious deeds. Crushed because of our sins. You see? Not his sins. Not his deeds. Our deeds. Put him there. He endured punishment that made us well. Because of his wounds, we have been healed. All of us have wandered like sheep. Each of us have been straight off his own path. But the Lord has caused the sin of all of us to attack him. It's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. The Apostle John would write in his letters to Asia Minor in 1 John 2, verse 2, He would say, and he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, but also for the whole world. So so the sins of humanity, our sinful condition, not just the things we commit, but the fact that we're born into this condition. It's our inherent nature that put Jesus onto the cross. And the Bible tells us that, that Jesus becomes this bloody sacrifice that makes the way, that pays the price and the penalty for that sin. He would say in Romans 4, verse 25, he was given over because of our transgressions and was raised for the sake of our justification. See, our transgressions. The innocent son of God, the perfect man who never sinned, hangs there because of our transgressions. You, me, we are to blame for what happened on Good Friday. Look what Peter says when he writes... His, his epistle there, First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. You, me, we responsible but I don't know that I can take the full credit for this or you can take the full credit for this we can't take the full credit for this we're not that smart we're not that righteous no 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 actually you know who's to blame God's to be blamed look what it says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 God made the one who knew, did not know sin to be sin for us. So in him, we would become the righteousness of God. God's the one to blame. This was his idea. I could never have thought this up. You could never have thought this up. We could never have thought this up. God thought this up. He made Christ the perfect one to be our sin bearer on the cross. He is the one to be blamed for what happened. We've got to blame it. Let's blame it on love, God's love. You know that verse, John three sixteen, right? For God, this is the way God loved the world. He sent his only one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It also says there in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What about 1 John 4.10? In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Blame it on love. That God actually cared enough about people, you and me, we, that he would send his son in love to bear our punishment our penalty, and free us forever from sin and welcome us eternally into his presence, into his glory. Blame it on God. It wasn't a power-hungry Roman Empire. It wasn't myopic Jewish authorities in the first century Jerusalem. It wasn't even cowardly disciples. And it wasn't just our sinful it was his eternal plan that he wanted you and me to experience and to be in fellowship with him forever even though we are sinners God made a way through Jesus for us to return into fellowship relationship with him his justice and his holiness demands a penalty for sin Someone's got to pay the price. And none of us were qualified, had enough and, and, and enough righteousness. But he says, Jesus can pay that price for you. And so he sends his son and he dies for us on the cross. God's to blame, loves to blame. And he says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, there is one God and one intermediary between God and humanity, Christ Jesus himself, human who gave himself as a ransom for all, revealing God's purpose at the appointed time. God had a plan. And the Roman Empire was written into his script. The Jewish leaders were written into his script. The disciples were written into the script. The cross was written into the script. And now you and I are written into the script but he's to be blamed. But it's not blame, actually. It's praise that's to do here. It's glory because it's the perfect plan. And now God can invite anyone and everyone to receive him, to believe in his son, and to find eternal life. And that's what we gather here on Good Friday to do. To remember Jesus Christ. Who's to be blamed? Blame it on love, God's love. And so today we are going to partake in communion. After communion, we're gonna take up an offering. I mean, we don't normally do this, but this is specifically for the benevolent fund, which is needs in our community, in our church family, where people come and say we need help, and we use this fund to, to just, it's an in and out fund. It was not meant to, to accumulate. It's meant to, to be taken in, and we hold it, and then we use it and distribute it as people have needs. And so that'll come later, just so you know. But today we proclaim the Lord's death right here, We'll have little pieces of bread, little cups of juice, and we are going to remember what Christ did for us until he comes again. We're commanded to do this. And so we praise the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who made a way. We are thankful that we have this opportunity and this privilege of worship and approach to him. And so today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to participate with us. If you've not yet come to that place of faith, then just sit down and watch and don't, 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 you know, don't, don't feel like you need to. This is specifically for those who have come to that place where they realize, yes, Christ died for my sins. I believe in him, and now I am saved. I'm forgiven. I'm restored. I, I have what I could not have had on my own. I now have it through Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to partake in that. We're proclaiming that to you. If you want to believe in Jesus Christ today, I invite you to do so. And join us as we celebrate the death of Christ. You notice we're kind of leaving it there. We're lurking in the shadows. And we all know that there's a Sunday. Because we read the Bible. We know the story. But we're stopping on Friday. Why? Because it all starts right here. This is where it all makes. if, If you don't have this, you don't have a Sunday. We needed someone to pay for our sins. And Jesus willingly went to the cross for you and for me. And we just want to give him the praise and glory and begin our Easter weekend with the right focus. It's all about Jesus. Nothing else that happens this weekend will matter compared to what Jesus did for you. So I invite you forward. If you have children, you are responsible as parents to ensure that they understand the spiritual significance of this. If they don't, don't let them participate because this will cheapen it for them later on. But if they understand they can articulate their personal faith in Jesus Christ, then you as parents are, are, you know, can, can lead them and participate in communion with as a family together. Please come up and receive the elements, and then you'll return to your seats. We will partake of them together. So if you are unable to come up, not comfortable coming up, for whatever reason, we do have someone that will be circulating, so you don't have to come up. You can remain in your seats, and one of our ushers will come and serve you there. But I, I invite you, if you believe in this, if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you understand that God in Christ made him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that in him you could become the righteousness of God, I invite you to participate with us in communion as we begin our Easter weekend, celebrating, remembering what happened on the cross. Jesus died for me. It's a beautiful picture, and and, and communion just typifies it for us. And so we want to just celebrate this together as a church family as we partake in communion. What's going to happen is you're going to come up the outside. There'll be uh, Pastor Elijah and Abigail will here. Marcel and Barb will be here. You can just grab your elements from them and return to your seats. If you need a gluten-free, that'll be right in the middle here. You can grab that instead of the bread from the couples. And again, there'll be someone circulating. If you're not able to get up, don't worry about it. Just stay and just make eye contact with the usher and he will serve you communion. If you have sin in your life today, you just know there's something. And that's between you and God. And I don't know those things. God knows those things. But you just, your heart knows it. You can confess those sins today. And come to God forgiven because of what Christ did for you. It's important that we do that. That we just say, you know what? I I did blow it last week. But thankfully, because of Jesus Christ, I can confess my sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive them. And to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And that's the glory of of Good Friday and of communion that we celebrate today. So come clean. Come with the righteousness of Christ. Come with his forgiveness and his purity. And partake in communion together. And so before we do that, would you just join me in prayer? And then I'll invite you to come as you're ready. And we'll just enjoy some time of communion together. Lord, to you be all the praise and glory forever and ever. There is none like you, and we give you the praise for the cross, for dying for us and and taking our sin upon yourself. You enabled us to receive your righteousness because Christ took our sin upon himself. And so we praise you today. And as we partake in communion now, as we come and, and, and pick up the bread and the cup, we're just reminded of the great price that was paid. About the glory of our Savior. This wasn't our plan. This was your plan. You loved us so much that you gave Christ for us. And we partake of of him today in in a symbolic way, remembering just what made it possible for us to be restored to you. Just be glorified in this moment as we gather as a church family and remember Jesus together. We pray this in his name. Amen. And again, as you're ready, just come up the outside aisles and return down the center aisle.
1: So... Oh. Bye.
0: Receive the elements that was missed for any reason, please indicate by raising your hand. Matthew would write, while they were eating, this is the night before Good Friday. Jesus took the bread, knowing what would happen on Good Friday, knowing exactly what was gonna transpire. He told them multiple times. He, He knows this is coming. No one else seems to get it, but now we get it and he gave thanks for the bread which is a reminder of the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, let us give thanks for the bread. Thank you, Lord, for providing in your Son a perfect substitute for our sin. We recognize today that he took our place, he took our judgment, our penalty upon himself when he died on the cross, and as we partake of this bread, we are honoring him, worshiping him, giving him the glory for providing us what we could never provide on our own. He is to receive all the praise. And So we are thankful for our Savior, our perfect substitute today, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Everybody said, amen. Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's partake together. He said he took the cup, and so would you join me as we give thanks for the cup, which is a symbol of his blood, which was demo, you know, a, a clear, visible image of death, a sacrificial death. Jesus died fully on the cross, his death for our death, his life for our life. Uh, the Bible would say there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So let us give thanks for that. Lord, thank you. That we have one who died for us. That in him we could have your righteousness. That we could have forgiveness. Adoption into your family. Future and eternal inheritance with Jesus Christ together. Thank you, O Lord. This cup reminds us that a significant price was paid. The very life jesus our savior and so as we drink it we remember and we praise and we give thanks for the great price that was paid for us to be part of your forever family may jesus christ receive all the glory and praise forever and ever and everybody said "Amen." he said drink from it all of you for this is my blood the blood of the covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins i tell you from now on i will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Looking forward to his return, let us partake together. And so today we're doing something a little different. We are taking up an offering. This is not for a new life budget. This is for benevolent needs. We have had a few situations that we've already been helping with others that are, are forthcoming perhaps uh, some of our own people uh, are in some you know financial difficulties and we are able to provide assistance I had a, a, a one of our participants in our church just mentioned that you know he, he was needing some help and I was like well, we have a fund to help with that so we want to receive this offering now it goes to help and to the benevolent fund it is an in and out fund that we just use to help people in need and so it's a free will offering no obligation but as a response to what Jesus has done for you, maybe you want to give today. And so I invite you to, res- to just give as you're led. You can also give online through e-transfer or Stripe, but just as, as you feel led, this is our opportunity to build up this fund so that we can continue to minister to one another. Lord, bless this offering now in Jesus' name. Amen. U- Ushers, would you please take up the offering?
1: And with us as we sing this. to try
4: My Lord. He had not consented to their plan in action. He was from the Judean town of Arimathea and was looking forward to the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in the tomb, cut out of the rock, for no one had yet been buried. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning."